Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Well, good morning, North Main. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, uh, my name is Matt McCarrier. I'm a member here, and me and my family attend, and uh, we are just uh, so glad to be a part of your family, a part of this family, and uh, I'm just always privileged to be here with you and to preach and to bring you God's Word. And I'm excited to start out a, uh, uh, we're continuing on with our idea of peace, but we've kind of jumped into this new um, section of it. We're going to be talking about obedience and peace, and we're going to be talking about peace through obedience this morning. And so we are going to have, um, we're going to study on a, a passage of scripture that is, I don't know, it, it can be taken a couple different ways, but I've oftentimes seen this passage of scripture taken in a negative light. Well, not this passage, but this character. We're going to be looking at Gideon this morning, and a lot of times when I heard people talk about Gideon, it was kind of like he was the guy that, yeah, he, was, he listened to God, he obeyed God, but he didn't really do it the right way, right? Maybe you should do what Gideon does, but not how Gideon did it, right, is, is kind of the sermons that I would hear from people. And uh, this morning we're going to talk about Gideon and talk about just how raw and real Gideon is. And, and honestly, the truth of it is, is that I, as a person in, in my personality, associated, um, or I kind of, we, I felt very alike to Gideon whenever I was younger and as I was growing up. And, and so anytime I read Gideon, um, I really resonated with me. And I remember even whenever I was younger that I would, uh, I learned about it here in, in Sunday school one time, and then I was like, I had this big decision. If you know Gideon, we're not going to get to this part of the story this morning, but Gideon, uh, at one point in time, he's trying to decide whether or not uh, God is actually calling him to do something, and so he puts down a, a fleece, and he asks God to, to make it wet, and, and God does, and then he makes it, you know, he changes it back and forth for him, and he, he kind of answers this inquiry. Uh, but we see Gideon essentially testing God, and I remember learning about that here and being like, I got to try this, right? And I was like, I was a little kid, I go home, and I'm like, I didn't tell my parents or anything, but I'm like going to bed, I'm like, I'm going to throw like a towel on the ground, be like, God, if you want me to do this, you know, make that, no, he didn't answer it that way. Um, and it's funny because sometimes that's how we want God to work, and sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Um, but the thing about God is that he very rarely acts and does things the same over time. He's a God of ingenuity, he's a God of creativity, and he changes how he interacts with us, and it's a pretty cool thing to see, and it keeps us on our toes, and it makes us realize that he is God and we are not, because he can do things however he likes. Um, but this morning, we're going to be talking about obedience, and if you're like me, Maybe you struggle with obedience. <laughs> Maybe that comes as a surprise um, to those of you like a preacher, the guy like struggles with obedience. I'm the kind of guy, maybe this is your personality, where someone would tell me that the stove is hot and I did not believe it until I had a third degree burn, right? <laughs> until my hand is like sitting on there, I had to touch it. Uh, and it's funny because that's just been my personality throughout uh, my life where I just, I, I would hear things, I would always be exploring, I would think to myself, well, maybe I'm the guy that, like, it won't burn, I don't know, like, maybe, or maybe they're not right, maybe they're incorrect, I have to try it for myself. And there's a lot of times in my life where I've been burned, and a lot of times where that struggle has, um, 
pushed me to a place where I was not proud of things that I've done or, or not happy with the person that I've become. And it's interesting to see where God says over and over and over again, if you obey me, then this life will be good. He doesn't say it will be easy. He doesn't say that things will, you'll be wealthy, or he doesn't say any of these kinds of things, but he says, if you obey me, life will be good. And I push that. I push that constantly, and I, and I push it over and over again. And there's times whenever I question in my head, we're going to look at Gideon here. He's asked to obey God in a situation that's really, really difficult. He's asked to obey God in a situation that many of us, I think, would probably not even acknowledge God. And, and he is asked to do things that are way outside his comfort zone. And he goes through what I say, uh, I call them like these three steps of doubt. Um, and, and we're going to look at that here. But it's just so funny as human beings how we just so much want to run away from obedience. Even this morning, so... Full disclosure, this morning I was not having a good morning. I was struggling a little bit, and uh, I was running late here, and I was worried about whether or not I was going to get up here in time and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm just, like, flying, and uh, I come up behind a person driving, and I'm like, uh, they're, they're going, to me, they're going slow. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't, I don't have time for this this morning. And the funny thing is I look down at the speedometer, and they're going the speed limit. <laughs> and I was like, Ah, I'm going to preach on obedience, and I can't even do that, right? So, and the funny thing is, is like on the back of their car was just this uh, one of those uh, fish, you know, symbols or something. I was like, I'll obey God. I will obey, right? So I, I slowed down, and it wasn't even just a matter of me slowing down, but it, I, I kind of calmed my anger there for a moment too. It was an obedience, and like, listen, whether I'm late or, or whatever, it's like I'm, I'm obeying God in this moment. I'm obeying the rules that are set out before me. Um, but we don't want to. Oftentimes, we just push it. And maybe you're a person who, like, that's not your norm, like, you know, but we can still all admit, I think, that there's times in our lives where we push that line, where we don't want to obey. And I can tell you, it does not bring peace. It just doesn't. And we're going to look at Gideon here. Um, it's in Judges. To kind of preface this a little bit, we've been, uh, the past few weeks with Pastor Brandon, we've been looking at this story of the Israelites and their movement through um, out of Egypt into the promised land. And we saw uh, Moses transition power into Joshua, right? And we see them struggling in the wilderness. We see them then moving into the promised land. We see Joshua taking control. And now that we're in Judges, we're in kind of a whole new era of how God is dealing with his people. We see uh, the people, we see this cycle throughout the book of Judges. If you've read Judges, one of the easy things to do is to think that um, each judge is like kind of sequential, like back to back to back. And what actually is happening here is it's going over generations. Um, judges are popping up over generations because the people will get in line with God and then they'll fall away. And see, after Joshua, um, they had leaders, but these leaders would slip and fall and they just didn't have anybody who was kind of keeping them in line. And God's desire really for his people was to not have leaders. You see kind of this... Behind the scenes, you see God moving and saying, listen, if you followed me, if you would listen to me, if you would follow my words and my commands, you, you wouldn't need a leader. You wouldn't need someone to rule over you other than me because I am your God. Follow my commandments. We see that over and over again. He says, I gave you rules. Follow them. If you obey, if you obey, if you obey. And yet, so often, they fall into this pattern of not obeying, of falling away from God and 
always just for their own reasons. Like they, they just wanted, it was either out of greed or out of selfishness or out of lust. They constantly drifted away from God. And so what we see in Judges is God saying, okay, fine, if you're not going to listen to me, then I will raise up someone within your midst who is going to rule over you. And it's funny because we, in our disobedience, we disobey an authority that is all good and all powerful in place, and, and we, we welcome, right? Think about whenever God puts out the first king in Saul. We welcome this, this like fractured, um, just imperfect authority. Think about this political season where we just welcome, whether, whatever side you're on, you welcome this, this imperfect, just flawed human being, and yet so often the rules of how to live life are sitting right here, and we don't want to listen. We want to jump away. And, and when I say we, I, I truly don't mean me, because that's where I am. Like, so often I get caught up. We see Paul saying the same thing over and over again, where he says, I want to do things, and I don't do them, and, and there's things that I never want to do again, and I just keep finding myself doing them, Right? He's speaking of this same internal struggle where there's obedience to God and yet we don't want to do it. And so we see the Israelites in this pattern of disobeying God, falling into destruction, and then God raising up a judge to save them. And we see this happening over and over again. And there's a couple judges in, and we have this guy named Gideon. Now, to set the stage, The people have fallen away again, and Gideon is living in the nation, and they are very oppressed. There are just different warring tribes going around. Um, There's there's different factions, but the ones that are really plaguing them at the time are the Midianites. And this has gotten so bad that anytime they, there's just like marauding um, war bands moving throughout um, the, the land, that the Holy Land of Israel. And they're just going around and just stealing anything they can find. So if, there's a, uh, if, if they have the grain out, if you have crops out, they're just going through and they're just taking it. And so where we find Gideon now is he has um, some crops, he has some things that he's doing, and he's actually um, doing grain down inside of a wine press, hiding down inside um, this place to set this up. So they are heavily oppressed they can't even keep food. If they, if they show that they have food, it's being stolen from them. You think, I, every time I read Gideon, I kind of think of like that Robin Hood, if you ever, you know, any in rendition of Robin Hood, where like the people are so poor and yet they keep getting taxed. They keep coming in and saying, well, whatever you have, I want it. Well, these people are coming in and doing that. And so they're trying to keep their goods, their food, their houses, their homes, their crops safe. And so this is where this story picks up here. We're in Judges 6. We're going to go 1 through 32. Now the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. So they're being chased out of their own homes. They can't hold on to anything that is theirs. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. 
They arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites, and he said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. This is that pattern I was telling you about. They had stopped listening to God, and God says, they're crying out for a savior. They're crying out for rescue. They want a leader. They want someone to come up, and he's saying, do you not know who I am? Do you not remember how many times I've rescued you? Do you not remember the things that I have done for you? All you have to do is listen to me. All you have to do is listen to the commands that I've given you. All you have to do is follow my word. But they would not listen. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Orpha, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Think about how ironic that statement is. I mean, just really. That alone is a, is a whole sermon in itself about how God looks at this man hiding in a pit out of fear and says, Mighty hero. Oh, man. I think about the times when I've been hiding in a pit and I've been trying my best, but I've been broken and I've been far from God. And he's come to me and said, mighty hero. And you know what the funny thing is, is that I laugh at him a lot of times or I think that's not God. But it is. God approaches us when we're down. God approaches us when we're broken God approaches us when we need him. And he comes in and he sees us as if we don't. He sees us as if we are whole and perfect and how he has always envisioned us in our minds as his creator, as our creator. He looks at us and says, I know what I intended you for. And that's powerful. When we're thinking about obedience, thinking about God's call for our life, that's our, that's our main point this morning, is that um, peace comes through obedience to God's calling on our lives. When we think about God's calling on our lives, so often we think about this grand calling, like what am I going to do as a profession? What am I gonna, where am I going to move, or where's God going to call me to do this thing? And God's saying, obedience to God's calling is living as if we were created by God, acknowledging that we were created by God, and then living that out. It's every single day. We get confused sometimes. We think about these grand sweeping things. Well, I, I talk to a lot of people. A lot of, times my, a lot of times throughout my time in ministry, I've had people sitting in a chair across from me, and they say, I just don't know what God's calling me to do. And a lot of times my answer back is, I do. 
Like, what? What? God's calling you to follow him. When we're just 100% honest, we hear from God a lot. In another Bible study that I'm doing here at North Main, we're reading through uh, Forgotten God by Francis Chan. It talks about trying to, to bring the Holy Spirit back into church because we've pushed him away. And it talks about how we can actively suppress the Holy Spirit. How we can hear him speaking. How we can hear those things, that little inkling in our hearts where we think this isn't the way I should do things. Or maybe I shouldn't say this. Or maybe I shouldn't think this. And we say, no. And the more we do it, the easier it gets. But if you're truthful, because I've talked to a lot of people, atheists and Christian alike, if you're truthful, that feeling never goes away. And that's something all in of itself to think about. Think about, even I could go a whole little kind of rabbit hole this way. Think about, um, evolutionarily speaking, that doesn't make any sense. I've kind of gotten into some debates before with, with some people who, who are very staunch, like evolutionists, in, in that they're, um, I like to argue more on the idea of morality in evolution. Where does it come from? Because if you look at any other animal in the entire world, it doesn't exist. Selfless, selflessness doesn't exist. There's something about us that's different. There's something about us where we can look at other people and empathize. There's actually, um, in our brains, when we look at other people, it, it lights up when we feel pain, right? So if I look at somebody who has a broken arm, and I look at them and I see their broken arm, the place in my brain that would be feeling a broken arm lights up. Look it up. It's, it's pretty cool. So I'm actually feeling it. I'm looking at their, their broken arm and I'm feeling it. I can empathize. I can see these things. These kinds of things are what is our image of God, where he's created in us inherent morality, kind of. I mean, we, we balk against it. We sin, but he's, he's given us this idea of, of how to look at the world differently. And we so often want to disobey him and go away from him. But this calling is every single day. Every single day, it's listening to that voice. And the opposite happens when we do that. When we push it away, it becomes easier and easier and easier. And when we listen, it becomes easier and easier and easier to hear it. I promise. When we quiet our minds, we sit in and we're looking for, for a direction in a decision we're making. We sit and we quiet ourselves. We can begin to hear God. He places desires and direction in our hearts, thoughts in our minds, pieces of scripture that come to mind whenever you're struggling. That's, the, that's God working through us. That's living out our lives um, for him. It says here in, in the continuum, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Orpha, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abiezer. Gideon's son of Joash was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Oh, how real is that? Man, we are so easy to bash 
Gideon and some of his doubts. But think about this, a little background to Gideon. He has not experienced worshiping God since the, well, that the nation, I should say, has not experienced worshiping God since the time of his great, or his grandfather. So for three generations, they have not worshiped God. Think about the place where Gideon is. He's not gone to church. He's not read the scriptures. He's not offered sacrifices. All we have here is Gideon experiencing, it's a pretty cool, A.W. Tozer calls it like a, a basic religion. And man, that's something that I personally have been hungering after. Where you just meet God. We see Abraham experience this, right? Where it just out of nowhere, he has no scripture, he has no religion, he has nothing. He just has a desire in his own heart to know the creator of the universe. He acknowledges that there is something bigger than him and he has the desire to be in community with it. That is religion. And we see Gideon here at this moment questioning that. We see him coming in and saying, Sir, I, I don't even know, right? I don't even know what you're talking about. I've heard some of the stories from my great-grandparents, my grandparents, but I've not experienced any of this. I've not seen any of this. How many times have we or you and I been in this situation where it's like, yeah, my grandma talked about this, and my parents talked about this a lot. I hear the stories in the Bible. I see them. I read them. That's great. I hear people talk about stuff in other countries, you know, they, they can hear God or, you know, whatever, but I don't see it. The irony in this is that Gideon's talking to God. He's talking to him. He's seeing it right then, right now. He's going to be a part of one. He's going to be a part of a miracle. But here's the thing is, if he had not listened, if he had not obeyed in this moment, he wouldn't have gotten to. But what's cool about Gideon is that even in his doubt, he obeys. And God is okay with that. And that's part of the story that resonates with me really well. So we see the Lord comes in and says, turn, he turns to him and says, go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. So this is the first thing. Today, instead of doing like bullet points, I wanted to just show you these three areas of doubt that Gideon has. And then there's a, so there should be some spaces for you to take some notes. You can write down God's reply to these doubts and how God answers them. Because even though God is talking specifically to Gideon here, I think it's universal because we see it throughout the Bible. This is how God responds to his people when they have these same doubts. Because these doubts that Gideon goes through are the same ones that you and I face. They're the same ones that they faced from the very beginning. And the very first one here is, am I capable of this? So God send, says, I'm going to send you to free these people. And Gideon replies, but Lord. He's acknowledging that he's the Lord, which right off the bat, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be in that place. It's so crazy to think that, like, he has not experienced religion for generations, and yet he's willing to acknowledge that he's so thirsty for God that when he sees God, he knows God. It's like, uh, I don't know, if, if you're so thirsty, I mean, it, it's always a bad shock if you think like you're going about to drink something and it's something else, right? Like you think something's water and it's like Sprite or something, you're like, oh, um, you know, but it's even worse if like you are just so parched, right? You've not had anything to drink forever and you look and you're like, oh, so water. 
and you go to grab it. See, I think here in Gideon, he knew what was real and what wasn't. He could see it. He was thirsty. He was hungry for it. He was hungry for God. And when he saw God, he recognized God. But even in the recognition of God, doubt still formed. And Gideon says, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. How many times have you thought that you are the least in your family? The least at your work, the least in your ministry, the least in your Bible study, the least in your family, whatever it is, so often our brains go to that thought. And this is why God uses people in this situation because he says, it's not about you. I know you can't do it. But I need you to trust and obey me. See, this is where he answers. The Lord says to him, I'll be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. He says, I can do whatever I want. I created all of this. I created you. I created the Midianites. I could snap my fingers and they could be gone, but I need to use you. And I know this is really hard. This is hard for us. I don't, I don't say that lightly or flippantly. I, I promise. Like, this is really, really hard. And, and when we really get down to the crux of things, a lot of times this is what turns people off from Christianity, right? Me standing here and saying, yeah, God has a greater plan. Just trust it. And people say, okay, see ya. <laughs> right? But this is the truth. I've been, I've been kind of, I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, being in my 30s or whatnot, and they say that, like, guys kind of start to hit a maturity when they're 30. I, I don't, I've not gotten there yet. <laughs> um, but uh, I just, I've been resonating really a lot with Solomon. And I think it's partially because of my personality, where, like I said, I have to, I have to touch the stove and I feel like Solomon was a guy that was like that. He had, he had to touch the stove. He had to try all these things. He had to, he had to explore all these things. And at the end, he comes back and he says, all of this is vapor. It's all fleeting. It's all useless. It's all hollow. And this is the truth. I, I feel that way a lot. I've tried all these things. I've gone down these rabbit holes. I've gone down these thought rabbit holes. I've read these books over here, and I've read that over here, and when I come back to it, it's all hollow. The only thing that brings substance or joy or peace is this. It's the only thing I've ever found. And I've gone through some dark times. And we think obeying is something that's going to be difficult. But the the point of why I share that is because everything else is hollow. When we get to the end of it, we've expounded so much energy and time into these things, and we are left just feeling empty. And God says, if you obey me, you'll be filled with these things that are peace and joy and love, these things that are eternal, these things that are filling and full and don't go away and when the end of the day, even though the day may not have gone 100% the way we wanted, at the end of the day, we can lay our heads down and say, oh, man, it was a good day because I got to experience it with this person. Or I got to see this person. or I got to have um, an interaction with this. I got to praise God, right? It changes our perspective. And we see God coming in here. And, and, and Gideon, I think, wants to do it. He's saying, I, I, could, I could try and obey you. I really could. And it's, it's the place that a lot of us are. This first doubt is, 
I don't even know if I could. I, I, get, I mess up a lot. I fall short a lot. Am I capable of this? And the, the answer there, that's where I just get blown away. I'll be with you. And you will destroy the Mennonites as if you were fighting against one man. We can do this. When we obey God, it gives us peace. It gives us joy. It allows us to live life to the very, very fullest. So we, we, sometimes we can be okay with this, right? We can get past that first doubt. Am I capable of this? Okay, yes. In our minds, sometimes we can flip that switch and say, well, God is with me, so we can. Or I've seen other Christians do this before, so I know I can. Or I've, I've experienced this before, so I know I can. So we go to the next step. And we start to think, is this really God? I deal with this all the time. I have no doubts that God is real. I have no doubts that God talks and speaks to us and wants to use each and every one of us. But very often I get hung up at this doubt where I look and I, I have an idea in my head or a thought in my head or, or a desire or, or I'm like, I see a person, right? The, the one time I was walking out of Lowe's and I saw a person like struggling um, to get something in the back of their truck. And, I, and the stop just probably was like, just, hey, give him a hand. Um, and uh, I was like, uh, he probably doesn't want a hand. <laughs> and I will tell you, I have been in Lowe's struggling to get things in the back of my truck many times. I always would appreciate a hand. Like, that's, that's a lie, right? And that was the very first thing where it was like, is this God speaking to me? I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit 100%, but I think it was because even if it was just me internalizing this word, where I saw one of my brothers and sisters struggling, and I said, this word tells me I should love other people, then yes, it was God. It's God. God is the one, is the creator and the orchestrator of all good things. So if it's a good thing that is going to be helpful, then yes, it's God. And so this is the thing, is, is Gideon looks and he says, is this really God? He goes, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it really that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away till I come back and bring out my offering to you. And we see God's response here. He says, I will stay here until you return. Oh, man, this whole story, I don't know, if it doesn't give you chills, it gives me chills because the fact that the God of the universe is like, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I'm here. That's amazing. It shows the personality of God. It shows who he is and how much he loves us and how much he wants to be a part of our lives and about how obeying him brings about peace. Think about, look at how he is. Just even his being and interacting in this thing. He could be like, do it now, right? He could have appeared anyway. He could have exploded onto the scene. He could have done anything. And in this, he just kind of appears as a guy standing there. He tells him these things, and when he doesn't make big fusses, he says, I'll, I'll be waiting here when you return. He's this God of peace. And he says, if you follow me and obey me, you will be like me. You will become like me. The more that you listen to me, the more that you follow me and internalize these, the more you will be at peace, you will be filled with joy. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat with a uh, basket of flour. He baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread 
on this rock and pour the broth over it. Gideon did as he was told, and then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of his staff um, in his hand, and the fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all that he had brought. And the Lord and the angel of the Lord disappeared. So he sees a miracle. He sees the thing that he said, I've, not, I've only heard about these things from my great ancestors. He experiences it, and you'd think that's the end of the doubts. But think about Moses, who goes through the exact same one, right? Am I capable of this? Hey, I can't even speak right. I can't even speak right. You're going to send me to the Pharaoh? First stop, right? He goes, um, is this really God? He comes up to the bush. Who are you, right? I am. After all of that, Gideon, Moses, it doesn't matter who it is. They all go through these. And then at the very end, they all go through this. How is this going to impact me? Because it's a, it's a human question. It's what we all ask. If I'm going to follow God, what does that actually mean? What does that mean for me spiritually, mentally? What does that mean for me physically, my family? And we see Gideon wrestling with this in two different ways. In this next verse, it says, When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I am doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. I call this, I kind of have a word for this, or I have two different phrases for this that I use. I call this an aha moment, and I also call it like a, a blinders moment. Um, some people refer to this as like a scales moment. It's the moment that you realize that you've been interacting with God. And if you've not had a moment like that in your life, um, I've had several where, where the realization that what you are a part of or what is happening or what you're experiencing is, is God's hand is, is firmly on it. And here's the thing is that that is all the time, but we like to block it out. But there's certain times where it just punches through and you realize and we see Gideon saying, I, God is so impressive. I'm going to die. There's sometimes whenever I, I've, I've had a couple of these where I've just been like out in nature and you're just seeing the world and you say, the person, the thing, the being that created all of this is real and wants to interact with me and it blows you away. One of my aha moments was whenever I realized what, what love really means. Because for a long time, to me, it was a word. It was, a, it was okay, I could be nice to people or whatever. But what it actually meant was selflessness and sacrifice. And it was an aha moment. It sounds silly, but it was a total transition of thought. And we see Gideon having one of those here. He says, I've seen the Lord. And the Lord replies, it's all right. And he always has that reply. Every single time, don't be afraid, it's okay. Don't be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Orpha and the land and the clan of Abiezer to this day. The night the Lord said, that night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, pull down your father's altar to Baal, Cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it, and then build an altar to the Lord your God that um, here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on this altar, and use the fuel, the um, use as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. If you don't think that our God is a jealous God, read some of the Old Testament. 
He's like, I, not only do I want you to tear down that, that um, altar to the other gods, I want you to use it as the fuel to burn my sacrifice. He's like, I want you to burn these things on my altar. See, God doesn't, he doesn't play well when it comes to us like being halfway in obedience. That's the point. Whenever we are wanting to obey God, when, we're, when we say, we'll obey God, we oftentimes, we look at the, like, the Ten Commandments or these kinds of things, well, if I've not murdered somebody, but like, uh, it's okay, I can do this, this, and this. I can get away with this. I can do that. I can touch the stove sometimes. It's only a little bit hot. God doesn't like that. He says, all those other things you're worshiping, whether it's your lust, whether it's your career, whether it's your money, I want you to burn that on the offering to me. Burn it. Burn it out of your life because you obey me. And it's funny because even in this moment, Gideon says, what is it, how is this going to impact me, right? And the reason we know that is because in 27 he says, so Gideon took 10 of his servants, he obeys, and he did as the Lord had commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people in the town. He obeyed, but he still had those doubts. If there's one thing I want you to take away from today, well, two things. Obeying God is always going to be better than not. And it's okay to struggle with it. It's okay to struggle with it. If you think to yourself right now, so often we will give ourselves the excuse of um, not doing it. We throw the, the whole baby out with the bathwater because we're like, well, you know what, I can't, even, um, I can't even get past some of these doubts in my mind, so clearly God can't use me. I'm not even sure if it's God talking to me. Right? I, I had to ask if it's God talking to me. He's not going to use me. I promise you, I promise you, if you begin to spend time in his word, if you begin to dwell on it, if you begin to quiet your mind, if you begin to cast your fears and your doubts upon the Lord, then he will bring you peace. I'm not going to finish, read the end of the, uh, the passage there, but what ends up happening is Gideon follows God, but these doubts don't go away. He continues to doubt through his whole judgeship, and, but he accomplishes great things through God. But the point of Gideon's story is that it's the epitome of the fact that like, God can do what he wants with who he wants, and it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. And to me, that brings great peace. There's so often in my life that my anxiety is just through the roof and my fear is through the roof and all these things, my doubts are through the roof and it all hinges on me, if I'm honest. Can I do this? Man, I'm really, I'm really pulled thin. Can I, can I make this happen? But I haven't even asked if God's calling me to. I haven't even asked if God wants me to, if this is where God has directed me in my life. I've had to make really hard calls in my life when it comes to following God. 
And each time, it was not what I expected God to call me to do. He's directed me in different ways. And to be honest, there's times whenever I struggle with it, and I have those doubts, like I said, I've kind of gotten to a pattern with God where when I feel him pulling me in a direction, I go through these doubts, these same ones. But a lot of times I, I come to God and I say, you know who I am. You know me as a person the Bible tells us that God knows our hearts. He can speak on our behalf, the Holy Spirit. He knows our desires. And so a lot of times my prayer time just looks like me saying, God, you know where I fall short, my struggles, my failures, my, my doubts. You know what you need to do to get me to that place. I'm open. I'm open. And, and, I, and a lot of times how he works in my life is he opens doors repeatedly. Conversations where someone's like, hey, you know, I was reading this you know, this uh, is really cool. And then I run into somebody else and they're like, you know what I was just reading the other day? Oh, wow, that's a weird coincidence. Or is it God? Right? That is how God speaks to me. That's how God um, directs me. And it's interesting when I look back in hindsight, as a lot of us can, I see, well, that, there's God and there's God and there's God and there's God. And it's hard to recognize it in the time because of our doubts. But I just want to encourage you that, especially now, in a time when there's a lot of uncertainty, the story of Gideon maybe resonates a little deeper than it had before, right? This time of oppression, whether it's political or from a disease, and we're feeling a little maybe directionless, God has called us to do daily, take up our cross and obey him. So I just want to encourage you into that. It's not a big, grand, sweeping motions. God wants to meet you where you are, down in the pit, and he wants to use you. I don't know what he wants to use you for, but he does. And to me, that's pretty exciting. I get excited about that. It brings me a lot of peace, because it means that I don't have to figure all this stuff out. It means that I don't have to have the plan. It means I don't have to be the one that saves the world. <laughs> because I couldn't do it. Would you join me in prayer? Dear God, we come before you this morning and we just thank you so much. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for your personality, God. We probably don't say that often enough, but the fact that you are good and kind and patient. God, we acknowledge that oftentimes we do not obey you. We acknowledge that oftentimes we have to find things out the hard way and we fall into patterns of destruction, God. God, first we ask for forgiveness. We ask for our hearts to be changed. But we also know that this is a relationship. And so there's things that we must do too. And so we, at this time, we just promise to work towards a better relationship with you. God, we just lift up your name so, so high.
humble us. Humble us to the point that we see the peace in obeying. That we see the joy in obeying. Thank you. Thank you for not abandoning us. Thank you for being there consistently. We just love you with all of our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's Word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.